We're going to read Psalm 116 as we prepare our hearts to meet with the Lord. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell get hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of, the, of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. May the Lord add his own blessing to the reading of his word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. This morning I want us to think particularly on verse number 7 where we have the call to return unto our rest. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. I want us to think about our rest this morning and what that means. May the Lord bless us as we consider it. Before we go any further, let's just ask the Lord to meet with our hearts for Jesus' sake. Lord in heaven, now we would pray that you will bless the word of God. We pray, O Lord, that thou wouldst use it not only to instruct us, but, O God, to lead us, to bring us to that place where we might have fellowship with thee, that place where we might find the rest for our souls that thou hast not only ordained, but that thou hast furnished, that thou hast given, thou hast hold forth to us to know, not only just in the eternal day, but also in the day in which we are now. Lord, I pray that you will bless us. I pray that you will meet with us for Jesus' sake. Direct my thoughts and words, I pray, for the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. I want us to think just a moment as we begin our time this morning on the truth. Every word of Scripture is given by God. If we were not certain of God's having breathed the scriptures, we might take 
this seventh verse that we're taking as our text as an invitation given by men to do a great yet hollow work. We could, I suppose, try to return to our rest, but our striving to do so would be in our own strength only. And I say this is a hollow work. For trying to or work your way into rest is both a foolish as well as an impossible endeavor. I want you to understand with me this morning that if you are to find rest for your souls, if you are to return to the rest for your souls, you must be brought to that rest. Rest is given. It is not achieved. You cannot, by your own efforts, by your own self-reform, by your own undertaking of doing something different, bring yourself to the place where you are going to be contented and with the rest of God. It cannot be done. The flesh cannot do what is only the work of the Lord. The Lord Jesus, very emphatically, tells us that the rest of God is that which is given. You remember those words. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest comes from the Lord. It is the gift of God. It is the blessing of God. And it is that which the Lord himself only undertakes to give us. But consider this. If the words of our text are the call and sweet invitation of the Holy Spirit, then we have both a certain hope and a vibrant expectation that what we are called to by our God will prove to be that wonderful blessing of peace and restoration. If the Lord holds it out to us, it's going to do what the Lord says it's going to do. If the Lord is the one who gives it to us, it is going to be found to be that which is truly characterized by the word that he presents. Now I say this, do not be confused. The rest spoken of in this text is not an invitation, I underscore this, it is not an invitation to be free of all hardship and toil. When the Lord says, return unto thy rest, he's not telling you, I'm going to do a work so that everything now will be easy. Everything now will be calm and you'll just be able to flow through the day. Let me say this, that condition will not be known until we come to the Savior's feet. There is coming a day when that will be true. It's not this day. It's not while we're yet in this world. But the rest that is being spoken of in this text is that rest where the child of God can utterly roll his whole soul onto the source of his peace and calm that comes with knowing peace with God. You can't roll all your heart upon the Lord and know from the Lord the peace of God that passes understanding. 
there is then a certain and necessary result of coming to our fountain of rest. And that rest, I say, that result will not be missed and the result will not be mistaken. When you come to the Lord and He gives you His rest, when you undertake to do as Christ says, to come to Him, you that labor and are heavy laden, and He does give you rest, that rest is not going to be something where you're going to say within your mind, I wonder if I'm resting. That's not ever the way it is. When the Lord gives His rest, the ministry of His Spirit to the heart, that work that is purchased for us that we might be able, in fact, to be able to put our souls upon the Lord Jesus, it is something that we know the Lord is doing for us. You know, when the Lord healed the leper, did the leper know that he was healed? When the Lord opened the eyes of the blind man, did that blind man know that he was now able to see? You say, well, of course. Let me say this. When the Lord brings you to the place where he ministers to you and brings you to the place of rest, you know. You know it is the Lord. Now, we may add to the invitation in our text this note. There is nothing said here of the frequency or the number of times in which the saint may return to this place of comfort. Perhaps we'll just leave it this way. Here's a word that applies as often as you feel you have need of it. How many times do you need to return to your rest? Well, the point is you can return as many times as you have a need. So I would seek this morning to present this subject and to prove this thought that the coming to your rest is meant of God to be that great comfort that fills all longing and all need in the saint. When the Lord says return to your rest, he wants you to see everything that you need, you will find in him. Well, as we begin this consideration of this thought, the all-important question at this point is this. What is the rest? And where is it to be found? And more than that, where is it to be obtained? Well, let's answer that by considering this first point, And that is, there is a rest for a believer. There is a rest for the believer. Now, I want us to take a step back. I have alluded to this as we have been speaking already this morning I want us to think though more detailed what does the rest mean what does that word mean what does the what is the concept here what is the point that's being made J.A. Alexander in his commentary on the Psalms suggests a thought and he says this that the word rest really means resting place resting place but the idea is much deeper than just a reference to a factual place the idea is more what you find there than the fact that it exists the place is that place and his words are of fullness or completeness of repose this is the perfect place this is a place where it is so full and so complete of God's peace and rest that there cannot be anything greater than this. In other words, it is the place of perfect and pure calmness 
and renewal. Let's, by eliminating some thoughts, in this place where God's rest is, there is no upheaval or agitation here. It is a place where there's no upheaval or agitation. There is, it is a place where there is no impending distress or danger. May I put it this way? It is the softest of pillows. So the emphasis is that the rest spoken of is not merely a calming of the circumstances of our day. The perfection of the rest, and I, here's a, a key thought, and I hope I can make this clear. The perfection of the rest might be related to a state of mind and heart that is akin to what the Lord himself knows in his place of contented glory. That place where the Lord Jesus is, that place where he sits contented and at rest, our rest is akin to that. Now consider with me a couple things. I want you to stay with me here. I'm going to present a couple of thoughts here but I, that are, are important and set a stage for what I'm trying to present to you. Consider, if you will, the Lord at the end of his creative process. The Lord created the heaven and earth in six days and it says the seventh day he rested. There you have, I say, a presentation that the Lord gloriously and satisfyingly rested in what he had done. There it says, Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his works which he had made. And the Lord blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Now let me stress something to you. When it says the Lord rested, it does not mean in any way, shape, or form that the Lord had to rest because he was worn from his creative work. That's not the idea at all. The Lord did his work so exhausted at the end of it that he had to take a day of rest. That is absolutely not the case and is an absurd thought. Here, rather, is the result of an absolutely perfect work. When it says the Lord rested, it is the glory of peace and joy that comes with pure success. The Lord absolutely, completely, perfectly succeeded in all that he purposed to do. And on this day, there was, if you will, the reflection by the divine mind on the absolute perfection of what he had done. It says throughout this creative process, and the Lord saw what he did, and it was very good. That means you can't have it better. That means it was absolutely perfect. It was complete. It was entailing everything that meant or needed to be done. The Lord did all things in perfection. Then on the seventh day, there was the glorious rejoicing in the heart of the divine mind and heart. A rejoicing and a calm and a peace and a resting over seeing that which was done. It was a calm and it was a comfort that the purpose of God had been accomplished. 
So I want you to think about that for a second. What took place in the mind and heart of God? The satisfaction with a work. The satisfaction and the comfort and giving of reflection to what he had done was that purpose for the day. Then the Lord says, now, this day in which I am doing this, I am sanctifying it. Meaning, I am setting this apart. This day is going to be functioning as a remembrance day throughout all time of not just what I did here, but also what will be taking place. The Lord sanctified that day. He made it different. Oh, may we understand this. When the Lord sanctifies his day, he sets it apart from the other six. There is something then in this day that is to be done and that is to be kept in mind and heart that you might find the rest of God in this day in the way that God found the rest in the day that he created the earth and then set that day apart. You say, what are you hinting at? I'm not hinting at anything. I'm going to say very plainly that it is not only foolish, but it is wrong for us to treat the Lord's day as if it's just another day. It is not. It is a day that is to be a day of reflecting with joy. It is to be a consideration of the, per- the work that has been perfectly done. Our chief place, as God rejoiced and rested in His day, so we are too Rest in that day that he has appointed for us to rest and reflect. Now you say, well, what are, you, what are we supposed to reflect on? That God created the world? Well, yes, that's part of it. The greatness of God. The almighty acts of God. But more so because the day has been changed to the first day of the week, the day in which the Lord Jesus raised from the dead, that then is the primary subject of our reflection. We are to give ourselves to this day to think and to rejoice. And as God, with joy and peace, looked at the perfect success of his work in creation, we are also to reflect and to give ourselves to the consideration of the perfect work of the Lord Jesus. And I say also, this day of rest that the Lord has instituted prefigures the everlasting rest that the saint is to know. Such are the words in Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 9 and following. He says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. This is the point I'm trying to make. This is exactly what's being said. We are to reflect on the work of Christ as God did on his own creative work. Let us us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the example of unbelief. So my point to you is this. There is a rest for every saint. There is a rest to come. When we end our labors, that is like unto the Lord, And his rest that he enjoyed at the end of his creative work. And which the Lord Jesus knows at the end of his redemptive work. But the rest is for us in this day as well. So I say our text is a word for every believer to find his way to the feet of the Lord himself. 
Again, I remind you of what I just said. The Lord Jesus said, come unto me. Come unto me. All ye that labor. And again, I say that's not just a general word meant for the people of God at large. It's a personal word. Meant for the individual. Do you struggle? Do you labor? There's a rest for you. It's found at the feet of Christ. You can know the same joy and uh, what Paul calls a joy unspeakable and full of glory. You can know this. But it's found at the feet of Christ. Well, we might say with ourselves, but I don't merit rest. <laughs> uh, I am not quite what I should be. I'm not quite what I, sh- I, I should have been. And I don't know how that I could ever expect that kind of thing that you're talking about. Well, I'll say this. You're right. You don't merit rest. You don't. That's not the point. The Lord Jesus, though, does merit rest. Rest for himself, but also because of those that he has willingly united himself to. He has also merited rest for all that are in union with him. We might ask the question, well, why then does man not have rest? Why don't I have this joy that you're talking about? Why don't I have this satisfaction, this complete uh, changing of the heart and mind? How come I don't have this? Well, if you were to go back to Hebrews chapter 4, we read it just a moment ago. Let us labor therefore into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. The reason why we don't know this kind of rest is because we don't believe. We don't believe. We don't walk in the light with Christ. We don't carefully keep his commandments as we ought. We allow for ourselves things that are not after the mind of God. And we, by our unbelief, doubt the character of God. Well, how is a man supposed to rest if he doesn't walk with Christ, follow Christ, and obey Christ? How are you supposed to know that rest? Well, we are told that there is a rest for the people of God. It is a rest like unto the Lord's own rest. It is a perfect rest. It is a complete rest. It is a satisfying rest. Our text is the calling of the Lord for you to return to your rest. But our text also says something else. It teaches something else. And that is this. That sometimes the believer leaves his rest. We have a rest, but sometimes we just leave it. Now we could start a list of all the reasons that a believer might find his soul has left the place of his rest, the place where the Lord is. And it would be an exhausting list. We might mention something like, well, I've known affliction, I've known hard times, that's caused me not to be at rest. And there have been sorrows that have turned themselves in on me. Well, certainly, that's true. David himself was a man who was very much afflicted by the hard times and the sorrows of life. And oftentimes he found himself not wanting to trust as he ought. And then he'd have to confess to the Lord and come back. And then he did find the rest of the Lord. Yes, it's possible that affliction and sorrows can cause that. That's possible, but it doesn't mean you have to stay there. Sometimes the problem is a want of submission to the will of God in favor of will of self. 
That can make a man suffer because a man is in rebellion in such a case. I want my will. Well, be prepared to have no peace because when you are in rebellion, that leaves you in the place of fearfulness and doubt. You say, really? Consider Jonah. Jonah had no peace. For he had a rebel's heart. He didn't want to do the mind of the will of God. He wanted to do his own will. He wanted to get away from what God was telling him to do. He was not ready to do and suffer what God had told him he was to do and suffer. Well, Jonah was a man that was marked by little peace, even through the, the whole of the book. Even after he had done the will of God, he came outside the city and sat down and pouted. And he didn't have any peace. Yes, want of submission to the will of God can bring it. We might also say a lack of contentment. And a striving after what the Lord has withheld brings turmoil of mind and heart. To work against the purpose of God is the sure way of distress. Not content. You know, the Lord gave Solomon everything that the world would possibly consider as a blessing. He gave him everything that would possibly be a blessing. And yet when you read through the latter years of his life and you read through what he writes in the book of Ecclesiastes, you come away with a very, very distinct, not just impression, but knowledge that he was a man who was not content with what he had. And what happened to Solomon? Do you remember? They said that Solomon left the Lord and he started worshiping the gods of the nations that were around him. The point where indeed he was a miserable man. The man has it all. What in the world is he thinking? He's thinking of himself. He's thinking of the things that he would imagine would make him even more happy in this life that was other than what came from the hand of God and it made him miserable. Well, you might also say this, that a man can leave his rest because of conscious sin, or perhaps even more, a desire for the world's ways and the world's goods. You remember when the Lord Jesus had the young ruler come to him, and he says to the Lord Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? And the Lord Jesus goes through the commandments, and he says, well, I've kept all these from my youth. The Lord puts his finger right on the core of, this man's problem. He says, okay, now go take all that you have, sell it and give it to the poor. And the young man went away sorrowful. He wanted the things that were in the world. He wanted the things that he had. He wanted possessions. He wanted goods. He wanted to have all the comforts of life. He wanted them more than what he did from the hand of Christ, which is eternal life. And he went away sorrowful. You're not going to have the peace of God in your heart and your life when you desire to have what the world has because the Lord is not going to bless that. I say the truth of what I speak is well known to all of us. We know well what it is to suffer those times when we are unaware that our hearts are not at rest. And there's only one reason when you sum it all up why we're uneasy and why we are without rest. It's because we have a double-minded heart, an unstable heart. The Lord Jesus in Revelation chapter 2 speaks against uh, 
that church that had said that they belonged to Christ. And he says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Well, there it is. There it is. Well, my next thought is this. The believer has a way back to his rest. You don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to stay apart from the blessing and the peace and the joy of the Lord. You don't have to stay out there. You don't have to stay in the storm. You don't have to stay out there where the the rain is cold and the winds are heavy against you. The fact that the scripture says here in our text, return, indicates that there is a way back and that way is known. You say, what's that? You know, you know well. It is a way of confessing. Confessing not only the sin that our hearts are in, but also con- confessing the truth. You see it here in our text. Return unto thy left, thy, thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. There's the truth. That's what needs to be remembered. The Lord hath dealt bountifully. You must deal with the truth as truth. God means of bringing rest is for us to consider that the constant cause and subject of our rest is how the Lord deals with us. This is what brings me my rest and my peace. I think, I consider, I ponder, I contemplate, I go over and over in my mind, how well has the Lord dealt with me? When you think about how the Lord Jesus has dealt with you, child of God, you'll find that that's your way back to rest. May I put it to you this way, we are to be taken up in our minds with that word bountifully. Bountifully. He has dealt with me bountifully. Now, we tend to think the word bountifully is just meaning a lot. In, in volume, a lot. I don't think that's really what it means. Here is more of a, the aspect of character rather than the aspect of quantity. The Lord has dealt with me in a certain kind of character that makes me glad. And I say the idea here then is that the Lord has made the supreme arrangement for rest. The Lord has made the supreme arrangement for, le- for rest. He has arranged the resting place. He has furnished the room. He has ordered all the comforts and set them in their place. All that needs to be done to bring me to the place of rest, the Lord has done it all. I do not need to do any of it. I can't do any of it. For the believer, the Lord our God ordained his way to rest, that way that keeps and refreshes, and that is the finished work of Christ. This is not understanding with the mind only. There must be the understanding with the heart of faith. It is a work that has been done for me. The Lord has done a work for me. The Lord Jesus has done a work for me. He has arranged my peace. He has purchased my pardon. 
He has dealt bountifully with me, and he has given me eternal life, and no man shall take it from me. Perhaps you remember that scene from Pilgrim's Progress where Christian comes to the house that's called the Palace Beautiful. And in that time that he is there, there's much speaking about the excellence of the Master and how the Master has dealt with him. And it says that while he is in that place of reflection, that place where there has been communion over the sweetness of what Christ has done, that that night when he goes to his bed, it says he lays down and he sleeps and is greatly refreshed. So then in the morning he wakes up and the exclamation out of his mouth is, oh, what is this place? What is this place? When you reflect in your mind and your heart that the Lord Jesus has done all these things to set you free, to bring you into communion with God, has brought you to that place where the Lord's blessing and smile is upon you, when you reflect on the bounty of the Lord's dealing that he has arranged it with his own hand for you to know this, it brings you back to the place where you can rest again. So that brings me to my my last thought, and that is this. The believer should return at once. The believer should return at once. If we're not where we ought to be, if we don't have the time and we find ourselves enjoying the rest that's in Christ Jesus... We ought to return at once. Now I say, this ought to be, or seems to be, a point that does not even need to be spoken. There's no need for us to realize it. It's an obvious thing, but no. I would suggest to you that coming back to the place of your rest often for believers is a point of hesitance. Sometimes we consider the fact that we have left our rest the fact that we actually purposefully left our rest, we went out and did what we were not supposed to do. And because of that knowledge, we find ourselves hindered coming back to the feet of Christ. Sometimes we just don't feel like coming because we have no desire to deal with the spiritual garbage that needs to be put away. It's work. Oh, don't be mistaken. It's work if you have to confess your sins and repent and turn away from these things. It's work. The flesh doesn't like it. But we have the Spirit of God who enables us to do what the flesh doesn't like. Oh, you might ask the question, well, why come at once? You say, we should return at once. Well, why at once? Well, isn't it good enough if we just come at some point down the road and Why at once? Well, the reason is simple. You will not find rest elsewhere. You will not find the peace that your heart desires elsewhere. You will not find the contentedness. You will not find the ability to rest in your soul. You will not find it elsewhere. Why do you delay? I say... Not to come back swiftly to the feet of Christ and yourself in a position where everything is out of order if you don't. All, it's all wrong. 
Oh, let me remind you, you are a child of the light if you are in Christ Jesus. You have no business with darkness. You were made for Christ. May we always understand that. We're not made for ourselves. We were made for the Lord Jesus. We were created and given to Him. So, the point is, return unto thy rest, O my soul. There's a rest that is like to the Lord's glorious rest. There's a rest that is satisfying, a rest that is full, a rest that is complete. I can know this. I can sit down with deep heart satisfaction. But it's reflecting upon what the Lord Jesus has done, how the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. Oh, may we find ourselves, if we're in a place where we're struggling, may we find ourselves quickly coming back to the Lord and saying, I need the help of the Spirit of God. Help me come to the place where I see what you've done for me. How you have arranged the blessings, the sweet things, how you've actually ordered them. You've, you've furnished the room for me to, to lie down and to rest and to sleep sweetly, as it were. Oh, may we find ourselves wanting to come back to the feet of Christ as quickly as we can. Well, may the Lord bless his word to our hearts today for Jesus' sake. Lord in heaven, now I pray that you will bless this word. I pray that you will allow it to be that which continues to speak to our hearts when we realize indeed how much you have done to bring us to the place where we might dwell with thee in great sweet rest. Lord, I pray that you will let us know it. Help us to get to that place we would ask. And now, O Lord, continue with us as we go through thy day. We pray that you will allow thy spirit to continue to speak to us from the word. Allow us to be able to know the blessing and the helping of our God as we walk before thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.